Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about The Exorcist II, The Heretic. One of those does don't belong, but what do I care? This is Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the old Georgetown neighborhood. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. That's right. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details of The Exorcist to The Heretic in the hopes that a, a taxi driver's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at his expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if I need to go deep into hypnosis, that she, her counter evil counterpart will help me grope a, a lady doctor. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Uh, I'm fine. I was gonna you know, strap on the the JC Penny belt to your head with some <laughs> with some wires hanging down with this very yeah. very high tech very high tech device that helps you to to tap into other people's dreams and memories. It's like the future, Gina. Oh, you thought you thought Strange Days has some said some uh, futuristic <laughs> shit. You haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> Oh, my sweet Jesus. Uh, what, what was the uh, Louise Fletcher flick that comes after this um, where they rec- they also record people's Oh, uh, uh, Brainstorm. The Brainstorm. One, the one that's mostly a big deal because it was like the movie Natalie Wood was making when she died. Right, exactly, yes. But that also has somebody die by watching a sex tape. That's right, yeah. They like literally because yeah. brain melted or something. <laughs> Like, oh my god, sex. And you have to assume, like, you've had like sex in person, though, right? <laughs> okay, sure, fine. Anyways, uh, before we get really deep into pre recorded sex memories, uh, I have to warn you, Genia, we are not alone. That's right, we have a very special guest. He's a writer, he's a horror fan, he's a podcaster, and he's the one, the only Mark Oestes. How are you doing today, Mark? Hey, everybody. How y'all doing today? I'm good. (laughs) So much better now that you are here to help us with this, in quotes, motion picture. (laughs) Yes, it was very, yeah, it was in motion a lot. All over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Now, off mic, we had talked briefly about kind of our previous experience with this. I've I've watched it a couple times in the hopes that this next time is going to be the one where I go, oh, I get it. And it never happens. Gina's also watched it a couple of times and to her own bafflement. Mark, had you ever watched The Exorcist 2 before? No, I had not. I okay. had been, you know, meaning to watch it. But every time I watch it, I would get met with like, I tell somebody, oh, I think I'm going to watch The Exorcist 2 tonight. I get met with some, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, can't you just jump to part three? And I'm like, no, I like to go in order. They're like, uh, you really don't have to watch two. But I'm like, I need to get it out of my, out, out of my system. So just go ahead and watch. So thank you so much for inviting me to watch this movie. Oh, <laughs> Give yes. me an opportunity to watch it. You're this, welcome. This... <laughs> <laughs> Through gritted teeth, I thank you. <laughs> Gritting one's teeth is more effort than about half the cast give to this motion picture. Oh, wow. It should be noted that The Exorcist 2 
uh, was directed by John Borman. Now, previous to this, he had done things like Deliverance, which certainly has a power to it. It's that sort of, you know, backwoods, suspense, action film, horror, you know, combo. And then you have Zardoz, in which a giant flying head statue barfs out guns and yells about penises at people. Uh, and has a really great bikini for Sean Connery. And so around that, between those two movies, he was offered, according to him, the original Exorcist. And he turned it down because, quote, he, I think it's just child torture. It was his response. Oh. And so when that was a giant hit and he got offered the sequel, he's like, oh, well, instead of torturing children, I'll just torture audiences instead. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a very Borman-esque palette, right? He's playing with big philosophical ideas. And while the original plays with a lot of philosophical ideas, it's also um, good, just inherently good. It is well-crafted with fantastic effects, amazing performances, a feeling that you are trapped inside a, a madman's car and you don't know where he's going to drive next, but you're in it for the ride. And here, it's like a battle against sleepiness. <laughs> yes. It's interesting because it is absolutely incomprehensible. Yeah. And yet also boring at the same time. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it it is the rare film that can just tow an interesting line between unhinged and boring. That's, that is quite a tightrope act. Right. It really is because I, I balked at how long it was. And I was like, <laughs> Well, I, but it's, it was, as again, stuff, I think the first hour, I was like, there's still more? <laughs> I'm like, where else can you go? Because I was still confused as to about what's going on, you know? Sure. Understandable. And, and I was just like, okay, um, I guess. Uh, I, I, oh, so she has powers now? So it's just like, okay, like, okay, well, okay. this is all I kept saying with movies, like, okay. And I tried to go into it, you guys, with an open mind. Sure, like, yeah. You know, I tried to go into it because, you know, I can be called a sequel apologist. I know some sequels that a lot of people don't like. Um, I tend to, like, take up for. Um, there's some that I just hate venomously, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we but, know a little something about hit that here at Kill by Kill. We went through every kill in the order in which people died for the entire Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street series. I remember. So believe you me, we we have found ourselves in some cul-de-sacs we did not enjoy the ride to. Right. So, yeah. but I couldn't just be like, you know, watch, I'm like, maybe this is just a lot of people's mentality. This is a lot of people's opinion affecting my enjoyment of the movie. And my brain was like, child, no, this is just... <laughs> No, no, this is, that's not what this is. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's one, you know, I, I have heard people talk about how they enjoy the ideas on display here and they're all in for the, you know, the, the great seventies model photography of it all. And the, mm. the Ned Beatty, you know, side sequel that happens in the middle of the movie. Like right. there are interesting things happening here, but it's such a mishmash 
And it makes sense because the movie drew all this talent mm. uh, because the playwright, William Goodhart, wrote the original screenplay for this. Linda Blair reads it and goes, I would never do an Exorcist sequel, but I would do this one. This is great. And Richard Burton reads it and goes, oh, my God, I'm going to get an Oscar. And Louise Fletcher, after just getting an Oscar, is like, I'm jumping on board this thing. What is and she even doing in this movie? My no fucking clue. Other than, other than heaven. she looks great. She yeah. looks fantastic. Like yeah. Borman's like, you're, you're a very handsome woman. I'm going to <laughs> photograph you. Well, congrats. She's never looked better on screen before or after, but man, there's like a nothing happening in her role. Yeah. No, she, 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 she the only character more useless than her is Sharon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Played once again by Kate, uh, Kitty Wynn returning from the original movie. And I think about halfway through the movie, she literally gives up acting, not just in the movie. I mean, acting as a concept. I think this actually <laughs> was one of her last theatrical roles. I mean, she's still alive, but she more or right. less, she more or less retired from filmmaking after this. But there, there's a, a couple of sequences towards the end of the movie where she just like, God damn it. All right. I, yes. I guess I'm in this scene. Yes. Well, it's like, it's like she read, she, it's like she didn't bother reading the entire script. And then she's, when she agreed to take the role and then she finds out what happens to her character and then she's like, Oh, fuck this. Well, I don't know that she knew what happened to her character because the script for this movie changed five times. I don't know what happened the to her. moment they started wow. filming to the moment they stopped filming and they didn't even stop changing the movie. Wow. <laughs> Don't believe me? Here's how the <laughs> Exorcist 2 the Heretic was received when it premiered in June on June 17th, 1977, mere weeks after fucking Star Wars. <laughs> this thing goes up on screen, right? No film has like a better, oh my god, I've got to see this next one. Than, it, it, had, than, it had I think it had the biggest screen opening up to that point of all time. Yes. Like, like it opened up on seven in 700 theaters, which is a lot for the time period. Exactly. So like they anticipated a rush on the theaters and a rush actually happened. And then people sat and watched it and riots happened. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> William, people William, threw William, shit at the screen. William, William Freakin claims that people chased down Warner Brothers executives on the street. <laughs> oh, my God. So he, according to his story, someone stood up in the middle of a, in the middle of a screening and said, the people who made this shit are in this theater right now. <laughs> and they take off and run down the street and were chased into a McDonald's by angry Exorcist 2 viewers. That's how badly this went over. And you know what? I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I wanted Ooh. to throw everything I have in this office at the screen watching this thing. Oh it is God. a real fucking stinkeroo. And that's coming, Gina, from two people who watched The Visitor and had a delightful time with that bullshit. <laughs> I mean, if I never thought to myself, which uh, older uh, gentleman am I going to enjoy more walking aimlessly in khaki? Uh, Richard Burton here or the visitor and you know the fucking visitor wins wow yeah, yeah. I mean you know the visitor the visitor owns its insanity 
Yes. Here, I, I think it is really trying to be a, a serious motion picture. Oh, yeah. Where, Very deep. Yeah, where, <laughs> you know, John Borman himself said that he thought that, that the ending of The Exorcist was too bleak and that the devil had won and that, you know, in this one, he wants to make a version that, that offers hope. That offers mm. redemption. That offers oh, no. Richard Burton sitting on a city bus for five minutes straight. <laughs> oh, Yelling my. at someone, put down your lunch and drive me to the end of this movie. God damn it. This yes. girl needs to get home. Try, trying his level best to do a I'm possessed voice. Right. <laughs> and you can tell everybody was just smelling an Oscar like, oh, my God, I cannot wait to get nominated for this. This is going to be so big and it's going to be a... And I'm like, it's not coming, baby. It's not coming. Like, I, I mean, because you can look at their faces and tell they were like, yes, this is going to give me another nomination. And I'm like, no. no. What are y'all and, doing? No. Mm, no. I mean, and during the course of this filming, they're constantly changing the script. So they never know what movie they're actually making while they're filming it. And then after this reception of people seeing it on the big screen, Warner Brothers is like, this movie has to change, but we're not going to pay for new new cuts of the movie to be struck. We're not wow. paying for new prints. So <laughs> Borman flies to Los Angeles and starts cutting individual prints of this movie, and they're flown back to theaters one at a time. <laughs> so it is entirely possible that there's not one heretic. There's dozens how many knows how many microscopic changes are different from one cut to the next because there's no one official cut of this movie it's just in flux baby it's the wind that is scary <laughs> that is scary I mean, it, it just reminds me of a recent episode of American Horror Stories where there's like this movie that drives people insane and makes them go crazy. And I'm thinking like... Is it this have... movie? Because I could believe it's this movie. Oh, I, I wish. <laughs> but no, it's not. I, I I just don't... I mean, that's that takes dedication. He must really thought that he had... Uh, I mean, he had um, faith in the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, I because... think he thought there was a movie here that people should see. He, he, he smelled this and thought, hmm... There's something here. If only I can mold it. If only I can craft it. It will happen. And like the fucking home video release is 15 entire minutes shorter than the theatrical release of this film. And if you want to see both, <laughs> I don't know why you would, but I own it. It's from Scream Factory. They have a double disc of this where you can watch both versions of the motion picture for oh. yourself. If that is what you wish to well, do, could you, were, were you able to? Were you able to tell? Or have you watched both versions? I have watched the. I've watched the home video cut originally. That's what I saw. That's the. That's the longer version. That's the shorter version. That's the shorter version. Okay. The longer one I didn't see until this Blu-ray's release, and I watched it one night, and I kept falling asleep. And I watched it again the next day. And I'm like, I was right. I should have fallen asleep. And then for this, I'm like, well. I'm not going to watch the home video one again. I'm going to watch the longer one because I'm dedicated. Mm. And it took a good five hours to watch this movie. I had no idea. So I, I rented I rented it on Prime, so I have no idea what version I watched. Me uh, neither. If, 
if it's in if it's uh over a hundred minutes, then you're into the longer cut. And if it's oh under, boy, I think I got the longer version. Then. I think oh, I did good too. for you. I felt I felt every minute every minute of it. I watched an hour and fifty seven minute one. That's why I was balking like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he won't help you. In this. I, I definitely, I definitely don't. Some between the last time I watched this and now, I don't remember so many scenes taking place in the Natural History Museum. I, yeah, I, yes. I don't know why they decided to make that their you know, their rendezvous spot for these weird, romantically charged scenes between yes. Linda Blair, who's playing a sixteen-year-old, right, and Richard Burton playing a playing a priest. <laughs> But she's 17. She's so much older. Where, you know, everybody seems a little in love with her in this, which is really uncomfortable. I yes. thought I was the only person who picked up their vibe because I was like, why is he like, why? He started off supposed to be, you know, investigating um, um, Father Merritt. He's there to help clear Marin's name. Right. And then he all of a sudden shows and he's like become like slowly like obsessed excuse me with reagan i'm like sir where is this coming from like <laughs> i mean it's like what's going on and then oh jesus i'm about to say virginia cartwright um veronica cartwright i meant um what's her name louise fletcher louise, louise fletcher, fletcher thank you i'm sorry uh she seemed like she was a mom but i'm like you have all these kids in this big 2001 space odyssey like <laughs> office that you have and yeah. you keep going from each um cubicle to the next and these kids just sitting looking like they don't even know she's there it's just the fact that she's just going from each room talking to the kids and she's becoming very attached to reagan as well yeah. right and like they, at the, towards the end of the movie she's like you know you know, oh, i'm going to washington you let my kids know you let your kids know right, <laughs> <to> washington. <laughs> right. and then and then she's sitting there like I, I, I'm in charge of how she say I'm in charge of Reagan and I think that you need to uh, go, you know, just stay away from her. And I'm like, where is her mother in all of this? I know she's on. I know she's on um, what they say on set well, somewhere. Yeah, she's on, she's yeah. supposed to be filming a movie. Basically, they I don't even know if they even tried to get Ellen Burstyn back for this. Oh, I'm they sure, tried. And she I, said, fuck no. I'm fuck sure she's like, no. I'm sure she laughed maniacally and hung up the phone. <laughs> Been I mean, there, done that. I'm gone. Right, and I guess it's just me being so um, used to modern actors parenting and stuff like that, where they could just jump on a flight and go somewhere. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure all Sharon has to do is call her mom, and be like, "Yo, um, it's happening again." And yeah, she nobody came thinks. Flying. Yeah, nobody seems to think. Well, maybe we should let Chris know what's going on. No, they right. they just they decide that they're going to handle it. And yeah. and again, getting back to the thing with now everybody seems to be sort of weirdly in love right. with and obsessed with Reagan. Then you've got Sharon who's like, I don't know why. I just had to come back. I needed to be near her. And it's like, <laughs> no. It's, it's like you don't say that about a child. That's right. very weird. And you staying with her. It's like it's not like you like you're in the next country, like next city or something like that. You're you're watching over her, so you're as near her as you need to be. Wait to her. Wait till she come home. I'm I'm just and when you mentioned that, I don't even know what scene it was because I'm like, well, some scenes, um, Reagan was like always at the office. She was at school. Like, why couldn't you not know where she was at? It was just she wasn't seeing like she was just anywhere. You know what I'm saying? She just seemed like she was either in school or in that office. That's what I got from it. 
Yeah, I I don't know. She's never she's never seen going to school in the original film, and she sure as shit isn't seeing going to school in this one. No, but she's she's, she's going at, to she's going to tap dancing school apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <true>. yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh boy, um, I'll tell you one of the reasons why uh, everyone in the cast may have fallen in love with her because next to Josie and the Pussycats, this is one of the most brawless movies I've seen <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> And uh, it's not that I'm looking for it. It's just constantly presented as such. Well, also, it, also, she is she is lit and dressed like she's about 30 years old. Right. Like, like she's coming out of her room and she's got this like this like Victorian granny gown on <laughs> that's like, you know, poetically flapping in the wind. She's got the hair all blowing out. And, all, and I'm like, well, are you a ghost? Did you? <laughs> Did you die? Is is this is this Jane you know Jane Eyre we're talking here? Why do you look like this? You are you are sixteen. It's nineteen seventy seven. You should be wearing a Leaf Garrett t shirt. <laughs> she reminds me of one of the teens from Gossip Girl, the um, original show and the new iteration, because they kind of dress very classy, you know, like kind of like that. But they look at it as like high fashion. That's why I was like, she seems like she would be like a socialite the way she's dressing. She doesn't seem like somebody who would be stuck or like like constantly going between uh, a supernatural office where these kids are just sitting here. She seemed like she was gathering kids like uh, X-Men villain or something like that. Like they had all special abilities or something. I mean, her, the office that she works in looks like Candyman Incorporated. Right. It's it's wild. Let's just um, start going through the plot just a little bit. To call it that is. I I don't think I don't think we can do that and not be here for three hours because (laughs) the movie doesn't know it. How are we supposed to explain what the movie's about when the movie doesn't even know what it's about? Listen. (laughs) Well, I do know that we open on a shotgun shack somewhere (laughs) in South America, where we don't know any other country that isn't New York or a city that isn't New York or Washington, D.C. It's just somewhere it's in a, whole, a vast, it's the whole large co- country. It's the whole continent. Like, like <laughs> Richard Burton says, at one point says, I have to go to Africa. <laughs> oh, Africa? <laughs> You're going to go to Africa. Do you want to add like a north, south, east, or west to that, that one? Or irri- just- y'all, that irritated me to no end. I'm like, okay, <laughs> where in Africa are you going? That's a vast ass country. Like, which, I mean, not country, but continent. Which country are you going to? And then when you get to that co- country, which, like, which city you're going to? Like, which, like, you know, area are you going to? That's just so damn vague like no you just get in a taxi and you go take me to africa please and then you end up in the exact right place which which they which they conveniently spotted in a diorama at the natural history museum (laughs) oh that's the city where kakumo is oh is it (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) no it's always been in that painting so we open in south america a completely different continent to the rest of reality than africa but it's not really presented as much here and this is where we meet father peter lamont he's 225 maybe 210 without all the gin and uh uh, he's there to perform an exorcism and you can tell because he's shown up with a large profile pokemon card of father marin in his bible (laughs) and he is sweating so it's very warm south of the border gina you know you got a lot of vestments on once the faucet's turned on it's hard to turn off i can't tell maybe he had stomach flu while filming this (laughs) but but he is very very sweaty 
It was yes. disgusting. That I just it was I, I just thought that that little card, like you said, the Pokemon card in the Bible. I'm like, oh, he has a bookmark for Father Marin. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's his we connection. Yeah, that's his yeah. connection to the first movie. Like, you know, they knew each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just like that we all palled around together is what it comes. Uh, yeah, down I, I to. love what we what we need to mention real quick is that he is sent by the Vatican, I guess, or, or the Catholic church to clear father Marin's name, because now apparently, you know, with the, you know, Coke two of the Catholic church, they, they don't want, they don't want anything to do. They want to move away from the concept uh, of the devil. And, and let me tell you, as a lapsed Catholic, they've never moved away from the concept of the devil. No. But, but, but now, you know, this is bad PR that, that they're doing exorcisms. And and so, uh, but who knows about this, Gina? We never see anyone else go. Oh, that's the girl who was possessed by a demon. No one cares. Mm-hmm. No one cares except the Catholic Church. So he, mm-hmm. so he, so he, you know, says, "Oh yeah, Father Marin was actually performing an exorcism." And and the, and then the priest's like, "Yeah, well, you know what? You're fired. We don't like that. We don't like that result." <laughs> Isn't that what you asked him to do? Right. <laughs> it, it, that is the exact fucking assignment he was given, Gina. And yet they're like, well, he done fucked up. You gave us the answer we didn't want. We want the answer we wanted. Why send this guy? You could have sent anybody and go, hey, just come back and say it wasn't fucking working. Right. <laughs> An exorcism going on there. Right. It's just yeah. like. He understood the assignment, though, but then he didn't understand the assignment, and therefore he got, like, just thank you for going. We we could have paid somebody to go actually do that, and, you know, but pretty much a fuck you without saying fuck you. It was, it was a polite <laughs> fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much. Uh, and when we get to, when we come to, like, exorcism talent, I think Marin had it really on lock in comparison to Lamont, because Lamont is basically asked by a group of random people from a random part of South America, poor K, poor K, to the point where they're like, why is this happening? Why are you talking? Why Why is all of a sudden everyone going, I don't get this. I don't get this at all. I know we were speaking Spanish up until this point, but now we're serious. Why is this happening? And... This possessed girl goes crazy. She knocks a bunch of candles over and then she goes up like a bunch of old newspapers in your garage. And we just get her face plastered onto a Pepper's ghost illusion of her burning. And (laughs) you're saying, well, that's that sounds thrilling. And it does. But wait, wait until I tell you, we smash cut from a burning woman to tap dance practice. That's right. This I, I movie just, conflates I, I just, a lot of death with tap dance. I, I just have to know the the creative process and and the screenwriter deciding. Okay, Reagan is trying to live like a normal teenager now. What do normal teens in seventy seven do? You know, maybe they maybe they yeah maybe they maybe they're really into rock music or uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe you know. Maybe she's a bicyclist, or or maybe she likes dis- <laughs> Maybe she likes disco dancing. Nope, we're uh-huh. gonna tap dance to Lullaby of Broadway. <laughs> Make sure to put her in a velour half shirt with numbers on the back of it for no fucking reason, and just have her openly flirt with a sax kid who's. 
playing this tune from what appears to be the penguin's lair from the shot composition. He's shot from above, cantilevered at 45 degrees like he's about to steal something from Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just speechless. That's all I can (laughs) say. Of all the choices that they could have made to to give this character some dimension, well, she's a tap dancer. (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) Why not? No, I'm just saying not just a tap dancer, but just she's a happy kid. She's a happy tap dancer with no, no, I guess they're trying to say she's happy after this traumatic exorcism that, demonic possession that she had but it's just like no i think that she probably would have went into like i don't know some type of like pre-emo goth type situation or something like that or you know i don't (laughs) know it just seemed like they were just yeah that just seemed like i know that's probably like still dark but it's just the fact that that would be that's some heavy we can't curse on here right no, we can. Fuck yeah, oh, we can. Curse. Okay, okay, yeah, that's some heavy shit for somebody. <laughs> and back then, I know they probably like, but well, we don't want to say that he kind of won. But at the same time, it's just like, if I was possessed by a demon at the age of twelve, I think that I would have been like not as sociable, not as bubbly, you know, more reserved, more um reserved and withdrawn. I don't know. Well, there's this, this one scene where she is communicating with this this little girl who's mm. allegedly autistic, mm-hmm. and and the little girl's like, "Oh, what's the matter with you?" And she's like, "Oh, it's possessed by a demon." She's so like, nonchalantly, she, she so just nonchalantly, so casually, and he's yeah. like smiling, like you know how it is. You know, <laughs> sometimes sometimes you fall down the stairs. Sometimes you get possessed by a demon. You know, bad things happen to everyone. It doesn't. And, and, the, and the kid and the kid just like, eh, you know. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but she's like, like okay, no, it's okay. Actually, he's gone. He's is that gone. actually not? Is that actually not uh, uncommon in this universe? People getting possessed by demons, because the yeah. first movie made it seem like it was pretty fucking uncommon. Right. <laughs> well, she's also psychically talking to this little girl. Oh Jesus um, Christ! Yeah. This thing apparently cures her of autism with the power of her cute sundress from what the, I can the, the, the power of politely talking to her which is yeah, which is like, something which is something apparently no one has done before <laughs> no one has kind of leaned down and said hey you look a little glum what's going on with you girl and mm. <laughs> no one's tried this maneuver before she's, only reagan mcneil can do it she's but, tele- she's telepathic and she's a healer and i'm she's like a oh healer. my God, and I'll get to this rant later. My my primary problem with this, but it it kind of it, it's sort of centered on on this twist here, this pulled out of their butt twist. Yeah. Well, since we're since we're talking about it, it has to be noted that when we were talking about characters, this little girl's mom is putting on one. Okay? Yes. Oh my this God! Yeah. Is not just playing to the back <laughs> yeah. row. It is playing specifically to the farthest part of Long Island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's straight out of a silent movie. It's like she's been untied from the train tracks <laughs> just before it is, the train has arrived. I, I, I like it's the woo. idea that she. I love that she says, "No, I, I can't have you. I can't have you. You know, talk to her anymore. I have to take her home so my husband can hear her." <laughs> Madam, he would be, Can I? Can I? Can I be, introduce? Can I introduce you to to an, a wonderful invention called a telephone? <laughs> 
<laughs> or he can come there. That's the other thing. It's New York City. Hop on a fucking train, and then then you you can all talk and maybe go out to dinner afterwards. Like make a day out of it. He would never forgive me if if I don't bring her home and have her talk to him so he can hear her talk. I'm like. Honey, you got to be, you got to understand that this is not uncommon. This is not normal. We all need to sit down and just discuss what the fuck just happened here. Reagan, you go in one office and then we go, we take you to the other office and, you know, just, just, just be professional for once. The, Act like you know what you're doing. The reaction of Dr. Gene to this, to yes. Reagan is, hey, don't heal my patients. What? Exactly. What? Exactly. What? Yeah, yeah Doctor Jean is is is. I think she means well. Not a very good child psychologist. <laughs> because she was because a pre- she, she 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 wants to. She's convinced correctly, more or less. The the, the, the film kind of goes back and forth on this. That mm-hmm. that that Reagan has repressed her memories of, of the 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 possession and the yeah. exorcism, and then feels well. You know what? We should probably try to bring this out. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> it's yes. a real good question. She, I think Dr. Um, Jean was a precursor to, uh, I should know this character's name because I've seen this movie a gazillion times, but the 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 evil doctor in Dream Warriors, um, except that she's like the other side of the, the token. You know, it's like, she's nice, but she don't know what the hell she's doing. And the other doctor is like, you know, no, all these kids just need to be put in the choir room and, you know, put away. She just, I don't know. I don't know what, like, who recommended Dr. Jane to Chris and be like, oh, she's a great doctor. You just leave her in her hands and she'll be just. <laughs> yeah, just leave, just leave no. your child entirely in her hands. Good news about it is, is everyone can see what she's doing because there's no fucking shades in her doctor's office. You know, treat, right. treat, treating treating her treat, treating her her very young patients with with hypnotism and heart attack <laughs> inducing lights. Yes, the 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 remake of Thirteen Ghosts. That house has more privacy in it than this fucking office does, and we can we learn this when we watch Reagan see that girl that she, she will later heal, just get knocked the fuck out by a giant teddy bear, and she does shit all about it she just watches it fucking happen <laughs> and i'm like why do i like this person i've seen her tap dance and not care about a girl with obvious medical needs get knocked out by a teddy bear and her go oh, it's a tuesday and go about her business <laughs> I, I mean that was a main that was one of the main plot points that could have went somewhere can you imagine like Reagan's like becoming like this pseudo healer, and then all of a sudden, it's not from her own fruition. It's actually the demon center, like quote unquote, curing kids. Sure. And that, that could have been a storyline right there. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Or you know, just something that is just not like, oh, yeah. By the way, she can actually she has psychic powers now, and she can pull people out of like deep, you know, situations and. Never go back to it again. Uh, you know, they're more, much more invested in the locust uh, oh, <laughs> yes. story. They're, they're little um, lo- the little locust cam. My God. Yes. 
the opening of this movie has this that we're introduced to to Dr. Jean under Reagan's care. And in the middle of that scene is when Father Lamont is talking to the Cardinal and Rome. And then we cut back to Dr. Jean's office. Reagan is in the same outfit. And who's there? Lamont. Did he fucking teleport? This motherfucker has Dr. Strange powers. He can move (laughs) without any transportation help up until the end of the movie. And then he just gets grumpy at bus drivers. I was going to say that we get a very long scene where we get a very long scene with them taking the train and then transferring to the bus. We only see him take transportation two times. One with Ned Beatty, who's just off the fucking chain. Right. And one on a bus in which he's like, finish your lunch. I've got things to do. So, so random. I was just like, (laughs) that was the longest, like, transportation. Because I'm not going to... My geography is kind of fucked, but I was mm-hmm. like, so you could just easily just jump on a plane or a train and just go to uh, New York. I'm not from New York to Washington, D.C. without a problem. It's just like, because when um, Sharon was telling um, Reagan, like, I have to go to D.C., mm-hmm. and then she was like, oh, what's going on? I'll, I'll be back by the end of the, by, by, um, it's just going to be for a few hours. I'll be back. I'm like, <laughs> That's like, five, that's like a five-hour trip. Right. Well, it, on a plane, though, it's probably an hour. Like, I can hop on a plane from, from L.A. I can be in Vegas or Salt Lake City in about an hour. Yeah. I don't want to go to Las Vegas or Salt Lake City, but I can. Yeah, but so, I guess I was looking at it from the standpoint of now there's got to be like you know available availability you know uh you know maybe well, he doesn't have any he doesn't have any money that that's we already established that because she like a whole labor scene where she's rooting around his pockets and and, right. and then and then the the conductor because she goes oh he's very sick and the conductor's like well okay just walks away right. <laughs> it's the very sick exception i guess you get to stay on oh my god yeah, it's just too much. I'm, I'm but the just... thing that this movie invests in heavily is this this contraption that Dr. Gene Hayes that goes wah, wah, wah at you. Um, and you go, it's like a hypnosis strobe or something. It, and- it like, it like you can go into other people's subconscious or something, which which yeah. seems seems to me not a very good idea. And, and I don't know... <laughs> how that can help people but they don't really explain that too much no it's a it's a it's a woo-woo thing it's just made up and i guess that's fine like like so is being possessed by pazuzu that's not a real thing either (laughs) so i don't necessarily care but i I have always remembered a portion of the the dialogue that happens is they're trying to match each other's tones and go deeper and lower. Right. There was a 12 inch remix of big audio dynamites rush that used a small sequence of that dialogue. Yes. I'm like, what the fuck is that from? And then I watched this the first time. I'm like, Holy shit. It's from this movie. Um, there's no backup that I can show anyone online that that is true. But I swear to fucking God. <laughs> On the 12 inch of that song, there's a small segment when it kind of fades out where they use a snippet of this dialogue. And you're like, who was, what kind of drugs were you on that you thought one day when I'm done with the clash and I have my own band, I'm going to use that in a record. Like, oh, fuck. 
Yeah, I'm wow. glad you mentioned. I'm glad you said drugs because when you was telling this story, I'm like, they had to have been on some type of narcotic. <laughs> it had to be some. I mean, some good shit because for you to sit there and pull all the way to the Exorcist to the Heretic to pull a sound bite out of, and, and, and it's and nobody's gonna remember like unless you just really are like that hardcore of a horror fan and you really love that movie. But yeah, I, I'm I'm sure someone is about rage tweeting me right now with an explanation of how I'm wrong. All I know is it's not in the radio cut kids. It's in the 12 inch. Um, so using this, uh, this magical device at Dr. Jane Ruskin center for kids who were exercised good and want to do other things. Good. Uh, Dr. Jane is then able enter to enter uh, Reagan's dreams where she's immediately attacked by someone in Reagan possessed Reagan makeup, who is not Linda Blair. Because oh, this makeup! Women. This makeup is so bad. It it, it, it oh, is. Yes. It's like they it's like they, they they got about halfway through it. and They were like, ah, fuck it. This is good enough. <laughs> Dick Smith would she, not she, pass for another two decades, and he was still rolling in his grave when this was done. Yeah, she's only she's only she's only going to be on screen for forty seconds. Who cares? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it is uh, really really bad, and we. <laughs> see Max von Sydow show back up in his old man makeup and go all right like the the just make the check to cash and- <laughs> I was gonna say for all for all the amount of screen time he gets and the amount of dialogue he gets I I I still hope he got a nice fat check for this I hope so too yes I was uh, shocked because he was be- in it because no one from this movie comes away with their dignity intact not not <laughs> n- not a single person. You mean you didn't find it dignified when Dr. Jean's left breast is massaged from both the left and the right side that, I mean, in a I demonic was, tug of war? I was like, what is going on here? Like, is are they going to rip her heart out right here, right now? Like, what the they hell is going are on? are DPing her heart? This is that is what this movie counts as a suspense sequence. Yeah, I mean, you've got James Earl Jones at like a jewel encrusted locust head. Listen, <laughs> I didn't even know he was in this movie when his name came wow. across. Yeah, when his name came across the credits, I said, "Get the fuck out of here!" He's in this. <laughs> This is mere weeks after the premiere of Star Wars. So he is like flying high. Like, granted, he's not on screen, but his voice is so important to that movie. He is instantly identified with the biggest movie in the history of movies. And six weeks later, he's like, yeah, I appear in this thing where I show up about halfway through and roar like a jaguar and the devil gets scared. That's his role. It's his fucking role. I was dumbfounded when he did. It was like, okay, so this is okay. 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 So that's his, that's his contribution to this movie. It was like, okay, wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> I feel some type of way, but <clears throat> yeah, I feel some type uh, of way. Oh. We let's let's save a lot of Africa for when we get there. Uh, you know, just general Africa. We don't know the specific spot. Mm. Um, well, we hear after uh, Father Bourbon speaks up and everyone bounces out of their trains. Uh, it's the scene where he, where he's, uh, this he must have been fed this this dialogue via earpiece or it was a cue card, but he's just standing in the middle of the room and going, "It was horrible, utterly horrible, fascinating." 
Was it? It doesn't sound horrible or fascinating. It sounds like you didn't know what words you were going to say until you read it off a card. Right. <laughs> He's literally phasing out of a scene in the middle of line reads. And he does that a lot in this. Like, like, like there are, you know, quite a few moments, even before he becomes quote unquote possessed, which I guess that's what are you supposed to be at the end? Um, where he just his his eyes just like completely just check out. And, and oh, yeah. it's honestly really creepy in certain scenes. <laughs> like like the scenes that he does with Linda Blair, where again they have this weird, almost kind of romantic vibe between the two uh, of them. Like yeah. he he's like staring right through her. And it you see it's like god damn man you, you did, did you choose was was this a conscious choice on your part to to play this character as if he's constantly having vietnam flashbacks <laughs> right right <laughs> right he just seemed like he was in a whole extensive what how do you say it? a midlife crisis existential crisis something like that <laughs> it just seemed like he was just like i don't know what i'm doing but by god i am here and right, and, and the thing is, it. like, like he's like that from the beginning, which makes you wonder why was this the church's guy to yeah. to 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 investigate this 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 you know alleged exorcism? Yeah, he's like father failure, just walks from scene to scene to scene to scene, and then he's handed a picture that Reagan has drawn of him, which. We haven't seen art quite like this since Friday the 13th Part 2. Alice level art. And I love how like Reagan is 16 and and was like, oh, she drew a picture of you. She's a very good artist. <laughs> like she's like, like, you know, your six-year-old giving you a stick figure, you know? I mean Father, do you want a magnet so you can put this up on your refrigerator at the rectory? Would you like that? Oh, uh, I just uh, he he looks at it and his flames. and he runs after dr gene's like we gotta we gotta stop this fire and and he's like i know what to do when he runs into the basement lo and behold there's a couple of cardboard boxes on fire and what does he do what we would all do what anyone with half a, a, a brain cell rolling around in their skull would do you pick up a crutch and you swing at it aimlessly he's fighting Fire with a fucking crutch. Then <laughs> this is this this is I'm supposed to be scared? Am I supposed to be frightened? Am I supposed to be laughing? I don't know. And he just looks at and this goes on and on and on while Dr. Jean's on the phone going, wait a second. A fire extinguisher? Will that work? On fire? Okay. Picks up a fire extinguisher and walks over and just looks at him like. Wow, a crutch, huh? And he's just swinging <laughs> back and forth with a fucking crutch, like no. fanning the flames with a crutch. And, and this what? Was, and this was when my mind said, "Baby, this is not. Um, no, this is bad. This is not you, everybody's like tainting your enjoyment of this movie. No, this is bad because I'm like, dude, like a crutch, like what? It's all it, like." You're running like the damn whole hospital's on fire, and you're not, you know, just like there's no fire alarms going off, or anything like that. And then yeah. you find the source of the thing, and you're like, oh my god, this is tor- this is horrible. And I'm like, just put the damn thing out. And, and 
like, I'm like, you could have took your coat off and just threw it over there and just called, you know, it just seemed like stomped on it. Stomped on it. It just seemed like when he pulled it out, it just seemed like he made it worse because (laughs) it was just smoke. And it wasn't until he pulled it out and then just like, like, it's like the first thing, oh, air, finally, air. Thank you for. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Okay. That's that's an idea. I think that's a running theme of, 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 uh, of Paolo Lamont in this is, is he made it worse. Like, like everything he does is he makes it worse. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Jean uses the fire extinguisher and the entire screen just goes gray with smoke for five seconds. <laughs> just empty fucking air. And you're like, is this a movie? Is, is the movie given up on being a movie? I think so. Yeah. Because the next scene is him and her talking to one another with their backs to the camera while they just wander around lower Manhattan and you're like, what the fuck is this film? Is it trying? Is it not trying? I don't know what's happening. Yes. Yes. I, I think this what they threw in the phone in the editing department probably as well. Like the editors probably like, you know what? I, I have nothing. I'm just going to just piece what I can together and just do what I can. <laughs> Sure. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what to do with this because yeah, it was just weird. It is whole entire scene that was walking around. She's going to like each group of kids, like it's okay to go inside now. I'm like, why are they spread out like that? Why are they not like you know in one big unit? Like you let the kids just wander off. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like it's like her and one assistant, like 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 right. handling all these you know you know, special needs children. Right. Uh. Like. I don't know how she's not sued into the next, uh, you know, decade. I, I'm not entirely sure. Again, this is all fantasy. Uh, this is when we learn that Reagan has had a dream about a small village, some again, somewhere in the vastness of Africa that's under attack from a swarm of locusts. And one child, Kakumo, uh, bravely swings a thing around his head to ward off a locust attack. And... Meanwhile, Father Marin is like wandering around with a camera like he's like he's on a beach vacation. Like, oh, this is great. Click, click, (laughs) click. Okay, Reagan back in New York City. Meanwhile, nearly walks off the balcony of her her apartment building that has fewer railing safeguards than Michael's place and death spa. And that. Is oh saying something where she like oh ra- where she raises doves and like these like art deco chrome coops. Yes. <laughs> like it's this Scarface's cocaine hutch. What the <laughs> fuck is this apartment? And Who like, would live there? They're like, and there's like there's like so many mirrors in their living room. Yes. It, it just looks like the, the climax of Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was just like, oh, so Chris left y'all and y'all Chris left y'all in nice digs. Like she just made sure anywhere y'all go to where she goes does a movie, she makes sure that y'all are living like large. But yeah, I thought that she was going to walk on air. That's what oh. I actually thought she was going to do because I'm like, why would they try to kill her? If they need her, you know, for like why why would Pazuzu try to kill her, you know? they actually needed her for something and that's when i was just like i don't know what the hell is happening like let's just come out and say it mark pazuzu is a bad manager of plans okay (laughs) this this is this is not how like we've struggled over the years with various uh you know either villain or villain adjacent characters who've decided this is going to get me 
X is going to get me Y, okay? Friday the 13th, 7. This telekinetic girl is going to equal dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. How? I'm not sure yet, but when I drag her up to where her dad died in a lake, I bet you I come up with a plan. Pazuzu is in the same thing here. He is now attacking people who have the ability to heal. Now, grant you, that is a complete reversal of what is done in the first movie. Is uh, Holy oh shit. God. It cannot oh be a bigger repudiate. Like, it is just the opposite of what is done in that first film. But Pazuzu, I would not allow Pazuzu near any sort of presentation that you were giving in a conference room. Would not, you know, give them sort of a, a an Apple Showtime file or anything according like that. Now, Gina, have I struck upon the thing that you wanted so desperately to talk about and rage against? Well, here is my... I mean, I have a lot of problems with with, the, with sure. this movie, but but my primary problem is the same one I have with a lot of unnecessary sequels, and and that is they need to explain everything. There yeah. there, need, there needs to be an explanation for why this happened, mm-hmm. and, and we, we we've talked at length before, Patrick, about mm-hmm. why the Halloween movies suffer from the the uh the twist that comes up in part two right. in which you find out that michael myers and laurie are actually brother and sister and and let's not even get into you know that you know, michael myers is some sort of like you know, you know pagan cult or something like that that's a whole <laughs> sure. other you know yeah the cult of thorn we all know about it yes, yeah go that, on. that's a whole other ball of wax altogether but <laughs> sure. you know there you know there needs to be an explanation as to why he chose her because yeah. you know simply the fact that she just came to his house one day is yeah. is is not good enough there needs, there needs to be a reason why why he's done this even though the idea of someone just randomly picking on you to 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 stalk and terrorize because you dropped off a key that's right. all he fucking needs that he, is he stalks that kid he stalks her and the dog that comes in the house he eats Right. That, that's your explanation, There's everybody. Me, okay, right. Please continue. Now here, it's like, well, why did the devil pick her? Well, do, does it matter? I mean, no. I mean, in fact, in, in the and there is an explanation in in the first movie. It is because the devil wanted to cause despair. Yeah. So so he he picks on a he terrorizes a child. He 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 you know, abuses and and assaults a child. You know, he he makes a child's voice say you you horrible soul crushing things to people. Right. Yeah. Because he 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 wanted he wanted to bum people out. He wanted to make people right. sad. You know, here here it was. Well, you see, she's she's magical. She she she's you know <laughs> yeah. she, she has gifts from God. She just she's a healer. One and, of those gifts is not rhythm. I can tell you oh, that right now. Thank you. <laughs> and, and and she's a telepath. And and was this ever apparent before? Nah. But you know nah. what? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the devil saw it. With you know, you know, recognized it, and you know, need to stamp that shit out. Game recognizes game, Gina. Yeah, and and it's just like, why is it scarier? Why do we need an explanation for everything? It's better when you don't have an explanation. It's like when people complained about Cloverfield. Remember Cloverfield? Yeah. Oh, my God. Please let me finish your rant so I can jump on their train right there. (laughs) People, People complained about, well, 
they never, they never, we never found out what the monster was. Why do you have to? That I mean, was yeah. the point. Right. <laughs> you were seeing things from the point of view of people who were trying to escape this monster. At what point would it have made sense for them to stand there and have someone explain to them Thank who the you. monster is? Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I'm talking to somebody who gets that. That is my <laughs> biggest defense. That's my biggest defense when I talk to people about Cloverfield. There, the moment somebody would have came in and would have laid out everything that this monster is doing would have took me completely out of the movie right. up to that point. Why does it matter? It, do, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm trying it's to get the fuck disaster. out of New York City. They're running from a fucking disaster. It, right. We don't need the disaster's backstory. Now, we don't, we don't I, need to know. We don't need to know why the devil picked her. I agree with Gina 100% on this. Now, I, you know, I told you guys I'm a sequel apologist, mm-hmm. but... When it comes to stuff like that, I agree 100%. The movies y'all listed, I do love. However, when you unmask the monster, when you unmask the mystery of the monster, the monster's no longer terrifying. So it it means like the scares of the original. Like you guys said, you know, he just randomly picked Lori to come after and stuff like that because he came across her path. Right. That's creepy. It's just like, you know, it's, it's just when you don't know why shit is happening, that enhances the fear. It enhances the terror, and it goes a long way. You know, I think the thing about The Exorcist, and I don't know why the, the, the director said it was a bleak ending, it's just the fact that you have to... I think what terrified a lot of people when they watched the original movie was the fact that this can happen to anybody. True. This can be anybody's child. The devil could come into your home, wreck shit up, and then, you know, leave everybody in his wake very scarred. I don't, like, I didn't, there was not a reason for us to understand why Reagan was picked. And I think that even the, I don't know if you guys saw the Exorcist television series. I feel like that was a great sequel to this movie because it just carried on, you know, that that we don't know why it's happening. It's just happening. Yeah. And you just notice the stuff. You notice when your child, your loved one is becoming, like, really weird and the one thing everybody goes to is oh we'll just take them to a psychiatrist but then it's stuff that the psychiatrist can't even sit there and help with you just you know it's something that you cannot fix that is terrifying right well that's what makes what that's what makes the third the third exorcist movie work so well is that you know they went back to the bleak shit where yes, where right. father cares didn't die you know he, he he is still tormented yeah, he's still he's still his body's still and spirit is kind of still trapped on 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 this plane specifically again to bring sorrow to the world. Like it it's thematically a part of it because again, Blatty is writing and directing that one. But we will get there. Before we do though, we have to buckle up for some fucking nonsense as this <laughs> movie decides. To- that looking at a, a a picture in the Natural History Museum is like, you know, I gotta go there. And he's like, and Reagan's like, yeah, that's where you're gonna you're gonna find Kukumo, Aruba, Jamaica. Oh, I want to uh, take it to Bermuda, uh, Bahama. No, no. <laughs> Come on, pretty mama, let's go. Come on, fly wow. the teeth of the wind and get over to Africa. Pretty much, and that's because he's like, I came, I found it on. I know that this 
body was here because I flew in the wings of a demon. It's like, that's not an explanation you want to give somebody. <laughs> that is no- well, again, no. it just casually says this. You know, I flew here yeah. in the wings with demons. We're like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, okay, but that works. Okay. It would be a great explanation to, like, why are you late to lunch? I was flying on the teeth of the wind. I was uh, <laughs> Demon Pazuzu showing me how to get here and find this guy who fell off a fucking cliff for no particular reason and hit every jutting rock on the way down. That's how I found this skeleton. And how is he thanked for finding this body? They just throw some fucking rocks at his head. Right. He, he, um, takes a, he takes a rock right to the bean and, and, and yeah. he's fine. Like two minutes later, he just, he's just like sitting <laughs> indoors somewhere. Not, not a mark on him. Mark, is this where I apologize on the behalf of white people for this specific white people nonsense? Well, um, <laughs> I don't think you should do the apologizing because <laughs> it should be whoever wrote this thing. It made no fucking sense, y'all. It was, is it just me or would you smell a body? You know what I'm saying? Like, after so many years, you, you just, you're like, how do you know he was here? I'm like, you guys didn't fucking smell him? Like, what the <laughs> you fuck? Didn't- you didn't see this guy? Like, he's not that far outside of town. You know what I mean? Like, the rope to get up to that city is just, like, 50 yards yonder. Of course, yes. that's where he fucking landed. I oh mean, no God. crows came. I don't know if crows. I mean, I'm just like, nothing, no no animals was coming up there and dragging off pieces or something like that. I'm like, okay, well, all righty then. But no, whoever wrote this script... Whoever did this movie, and I'm go. I'm if, if I ever see Linda Blair at a um, convention, I'd be like, "Girl, <laughs> what were you thinking?" And I don't want to be that person, but it just be like, you know, I just have to know, like, who. I mean, you said this was you. Part wanna- of it is Borman, and part of it is his frequent collaborator Rospo Pallenberg, who would go on to write and direct the very butt obsessed 1989 slasher Cutting Class, starring Brad Pitt. Oh, wow. Seriously? I actually like Cutting Class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, Cutting Class was made partially because he co-wrote this, Zardoz, and Excalibur. So, like, oh, my he God. and Borman are deep. Like, they well, go see, together well, see, like, like peanut butter and the weirdest shit you've ever put on bread. I'm, oh. glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned Excalibur because I love Excalibur. Yeah. Excalibur is absolutely incomprehensible. Again, it is a victim of just being badly cut. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that John Borman, you know, you edits the way a, you know, a child you know, cuts out construction paper to make a shape. He just kind of <laughs> randomly slashes at it. There's like really sure. no sort of precision or any rhyme or reason to it. So, so you know, characters will just age 20 years between one scene to the next. Right. You know, characters like you know, one example of this next caliber is the the romance between <laughs> Guinevere and Lancelot, which you know starts with them meeting, and then the very next scene they're just like making eyes at each other. There's like it there, also there's no a world up. in which you can have sex with armor on. Well, that that just, too. <laughs> just like you're naked, I've got all this armor on. Lay back. Here we go, everybody. <laughs> I'm moving this <laughs> giant metal piece out of the way. It's time for Penis Town. Ugh. I mean, it's 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 an incoherent movie, but it's yeah. also very entertaining and very nice to look at. It's a vibe, Where, right? Whereas Ugh. you don't. Whereas here, you're, you're, yeah. Whereas here, it's just like I don't know where the fuck I am. I don't know no. where anybody is. What anybody's doing? Why there's now African folklore. 
quote unquote introduced into this plot, you know, where even though in the first movie, the origin of Pazuzu appears to be in, in the Middle East, but, but, you know, Middle East, Africa, eh, who cares? Eh. Uh, maybe it's, it's North Africa. Who, who can say, but once father highball starts to get that <laughs> run by fruiting with rocks, this somehow affects Reagan when she's in the middle of right. her tap dance review and she falls off the stage. Well, because and, they, I think because they do this, this uh, um, where they go into each other's thoughts and, yeah. and, and somehow that like connects them, even though it doesn't somehow, it somehow doesn't connect Reagan and Dr. Jean, who, who exactly. she apparently does that with all the time. The exactly. light throbulizer connects them. I was like, wait a minute. So they're, 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 um, but how to say it's psych? I don't want to say psychically, but you know, yeah, but they're linked, linked mentally. Yeah, no, they're yeah, psychically psychically linked. Linked. Yeah. telepathic is yeah. connection. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so why the fuck is like Dr. Um, Gina, Gina or Jean not experiencing this? Cause this, didn't she connect with the, um, um, Lamont as well. She connected with both of them at some point. Wow. Yeah, she She's told specifically to forget. So she's disconnected. And so she doesn't have to run off to Africa and then come back wearing a cool shirt from Dan flashes by the looks of it. Now Lamont <laughs> is a cool priest. <laughs> yes. Like, is he wearing sandals? We never see, but it is implied. You know what I mean? It's like that secretary in your office who goes to Jamaica and comes back with braids. Otherwise you would never know she was there. <laughs> this is the same thing. Now, whoever did, they need to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever did that needs to apologize. But, I, but okay, so I okay, so I'm asking you guys because this is where I get super confused more mm. than I was before. But when he leaves Kokomo's office, yes, and he comes, is he possessed then, or like what? I think I, he feels like he knows how to somehow battle Pazuzu because. He understands that she that the that Reagan needs to be disconnected from the touching of the wings of the locust. I understand that sounds like babble. That sounds like yes. utter bullshit. I just made up. That is what this movie posits as a second act reveal. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you got to disconnect her from her locusts. Like, should they're should, they're rubbing wings, right? Okay, sure. I'll run back to America first. I'm gonna shop for a new shirt because you know <laughs> <laughs> I want to be presentable. I want to look hip to the kids. You know, if someone says, "Do you know Jive?" I want to say yes on the airplane. No. And then he arrives back in America and's like, "Let's go to a CD motel." Right. You know, reconnect with the light throbulizer and we will get this done. And all he's told is, well, you got to go back to Washington, D.C. And so he shuffles his ass to the bus terminal. Oh, my God. I, I love like think of how dramatic and, and how iconic the, the shot of, of, of Father Mare in the first movie going to the house for the first time is. Yeah. With the fog and the backlighting and his silhouette. And you know what we get? We get a bus pulling in front of the stair <laughs> pulling up in front of the right. stairwell. That's what we get. We get a bus. Right. And i it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, so is it now a haunted house movie? Like because you have to go back to where everything happened. So is the house still haunted? Right. Like, is that's still that's something? not how possessions work. Right. And I was yeah. like, so why are we going back to Washington, D.C.? Like, I, because at first I was like, maybe they just trying to get the movie to 
they want to go lo- like different places. They want to take the the story to multiple locations across the globe or whatever you want to say. But it's like, but y'all still ended up in Washington D.C. at this house, and it's now, and it, which is dest- destroyed by the end of the movie. But it's just right. like, why are we going back here? Like, I, this feels like a studio note to me, right? Like someone at Warner Brothers is like, we gotta get this house into this movie more often because that is where people associate the exorcist with and they're like okay we'll have it crumble uh and tear apart when locusts attack and you're like that's that's your third act yeah that, this is i this i is never where- i did sir, sir, three times watching this i have no idea what i have no idea well i i don't know no. i don't know why they have to go there i i don't know why there's a sexy reagan there <laughs> i i i don't yes. I, I don't know why the house why the locusts show up I, yeah. I don't know why he has to fight Pazuzu by by you know you know fox you know foxy boxing him and then <laughs> and then r- ripping their heart out which I I don't I mean he's is he a person or is he a, a non corporeal being because if he's a non corporeal being tearing his heart out should not do anything yeah and I don't mm. know why Sharon opts to set herself on fire. Yeah, right. that's a mystery to me. I, I don't. Other than she's like, burn me now so I never have to be in another one of these movies. <laughs> I don't know why um, Dr. Jean just tells Reagan, yeah, just go off and follow Lamont. Your mom will be cool with this. Yeah. <laughs> this seems great. Uh, all this is right. totally rational. I'm sure when she comes to me and, you know, we've signed documents that I'm going to legally be your guardian. She's going to be super cool that I sent you off with the priest with the African shirt he picked up in the airport on the way back to to New York City. You know, he just got off a phantasm bed. Why can't I trust him? Gina, there's another fucking phantasm bed. We found two now. (laughs) I, I... It it just threw me for a loop. It just was like, what? That whole entire final act just through me and i was just like when is this shit gonna be over and i was just <laughs> i had got to that point it was like when is this going to be over like what's going to happen like is somebody going to die like and i noticed they was doing the, i don't want to say the pet cemetery thing because this came first though but it was like okay there was the, the pazuzu was sitting there trying to stop Sharon and um jane from getting to them and stuff and i'm like because every little inconvenience you know, it was like, oh, what's what's going on now? Yeah. And I'm like, honey, that's just <laughs> just normal. That's just, you know, what I'm saying that's not suspenseful. That's just irritating. Because can you imagine, like, you know, you have somewhere you need to be, you're gonna run into problems. They're trying to make it seem like it was a supernatural thing. Trying to stop, like, no, that no. is just normal traffic and tomfoolery going on when you're trying to be some when you're trying to get to somewhere you need to be. That's just common. It's there's really not hard to believe that. that there's traffic near Dulles Airport. And this yes. movie is like, oh my God, it's got to be Satan, right? Right? <laughs> right. And then she gets out the car it's like, well, I'm going to see about this. What the fuck are you going to do? Like, oh my God. like, well, she's a doctor. That don't mean shit. That don't give a fuck about you being a doctor and you're a doctor from New York City, girl. Get back in that car and wait. You have to understand, she cured an autistic girl from my beehive. I've got to get through. <laughs> Oh. oh my god! I, I just keep thinking if I give this movie another chance, some, something you know, a, a a beam of light will come through the clouds, and I'll finally figure out what's happening. And it just has not happened yet. Every revelation of like, oh, that's what they were trying to do, makes it 
make less sense. And I think <laughs> if you're just looking for the craziest nonsense movie you, you can watch, this feels like it should be that because there are moments that are completely fucking bonkers, like the tap dance stoning, you know, like that is ludicrous on an, on another level, but there's not enough of that to make it as entertaining as the visitor. Like if you have the choice between this and the visitor fucking tap into the visitor, baby, it, like well, get yourself some space satine. Cause I feel like the visitor is, is it, you, there's a little, it's not a funny movie, but I feel that, you know, somewhat involved in it understood what kind of movie it was and, and is a little winking at the audience a bit. Yeah. Whereas this movie is deadly serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that makes it more worse because it's like when you're trying to be serious and you come across it being like, like, girl, what are you doing? Like, what are you? No. Like, <laughs> I, I can't take you serious, but y'all really think y'all are really, really getting into these roles and y'all really get into this story. And it's just like, if I was a cameraman or even a um, what they call them a um, boom operator mm -hmm. on set, I'd probably just like God kill me now because <laughs> 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 like I'm I yes I have a mic to the to Linda Blair's uh, face and Max von Sydow's face and Louise Fletcher's face, but it's like God can y'all hear me get through these lines because this <laughs> sucks and I cannot believe you guys are sitting here eating all this up like there's so much. You 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 went past chewing the scenery to chewing my damn boom right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> what are y'all doing? And I was talking to a friend today, or a, a friend of mine, about the movie, and they were like, they were apologists for it. They were like, it's bad, but it is. I love it. It's bad, but I, it's pretty enjoyable. And I was like, but so if you enjoyed it this much, I asked him a question, and he was like, oh, you're not trying to make sense of it, are you? And I'm like, you said you liked it. And they were like, yeah, I like it, though, but it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, like, but I don't know that a movie has to, quote unquote, make sense or be perfectly logical for it to be entertaining. No, I mean, that's that's that's, but, David, that's, that's David Lynch's entire oeuvre is is yes. making movies that make no sense, but but they're entertaining that are engaging that grab you because you are wondering what's going to happen next. And you're actually engaged with those characters. And as a character horror podcast, I, this is not a movie rife with characters. It's just, no. these are people speaking lines. They were hired to show up like, yes, Ned Beatty comes on lines like, Hey, this is what I do. I show up for a scene and I just wow you with a crazy monologue. And you're like, yeah, but this isn't quite network. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> this is not going to work. Uh, that's okay. He, he, he did just fine in life. So I think we're at the point where we need to choose your own death venture. And that is where we decide of the deaths, as few and far between as they are, presented in this motion picture. Uh, which one would you choose to, to die from and tell us why? Up for bid in Exorcist 2, The Heretic, we have burned to death somewhere down south. Uh, fall to your death from a very sheer cliff, having your face hit every rock on the way fucking down and no one can find your body. Uh, Locust-induced car crash and then uh, burned to death like Sharon where she's like, I just don't want to be in this movie anymore. Uh, Mark, you're our guest, so I'm going to ask for your answer first. Um, I'll take Burn to Death because I don't want to be in this movie anymore. 
because are you burning to death right up front or are you burning to death at the end with a nice set of culottes on? Um probably the at the end. Um okay. because well, you know what? I'm gonna take that back because the homegirl at the beginning, she sat there and said, I don't want no parts of this, and she just went on out. <laughs> so if knowing now what I wish she knowing then what I know now, I'll probably do the first one, but I kind of like Sharon's death because I wasn't expecting that to happen. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, okay, this gas. Does somebody have a match or something? Somebody got a lighter? Is she gonna pull out a lighter? And then she sat there and stepped on the light. I was like, ooh, interesting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, ooh, interesting. Sure, why not? Right. Um. Okay. Uh, Gina, what say you? Um. Probably because it seems like the quickest one. Because in addition to being, in, you know, incomprehensible, Sharon also mm-hmm. seems to take forever to die. Um, yeah, she she has to last long enough to say Reagan and then just pass out. And then, like, I gave myself over to evil. Like, that fucking explains anything. Um, <laughs> I would take the the locust induced car crash because I mean that guy like that guy just had got like a like a fence railing through his face through his face or something. He, he went yeah. he went oh. quick. Boy, I'll yeah. talk about somebody who was pissed off because I was like, of course the black guy had to get get. get. <laughs> I'm like like that. I'm like wow. Wow. Just just a man doing his job. It, he does punch out a window so he can see where he's going. I mean, he's really, really trying. He, that was he smart. Di- he dies in he dies in spite of trying to prevent everyone's death. So exactly. a hero. The hero the, he's the, the hero, he might be the only the, hero the, in the movie. The true hero of the film. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm-mm. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm gonna like, I can't do heights, so there's no way I'm falling to death from a sheer cliff. Um, I'm probably gonna take that locust induced car crash because you're going out a hero and you know, you're saving Dr. Jean's life, and she's gonna go on to do the most important thing in this movie, which is tell a 16 year old girl, No, you need to keep hanging out with that guy with the African sweatshirt, he's wearing underneath a, a suit coat. Go for it. Uh, I'll take (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's my choice, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, Before we go, of course, uh, Mark, uh, where can can people hear and read more from you? Um, You can find me on Twitter at The Anti-Critic, and I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, My name on there is Marco Estes, all one word. And then I'm also on Instagram as Midnight Social Distortion, all one word. And you can listen to my podcast, Midnight Social Distortion. And I'm you can read some articles um, through Rue Morgue and the Counter Narrative Project, where I wrote an article entitled A Quick History of Black Queer Horror Characters. And my blog, which is midnightsocialdistortion.wix.com. I cannot recommend your black queer horror character study anymore. That's how I found you. I'm not sure who boosted it, but that was how I found you and how I started following you on Twitter. Uh, I think that's a fantastic piece of work and I I love everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you. And I love you guys too. Um, I love your breakdown of each Friday and nightmare movie and that's why I got, I'm like, oh, they're breaking down each one and they're taking like an episode of piece. I'm like, yes. Cause so many people try to lump everything in into one podcast. Like I'm doing like a dumbass, but um, <laughs> I like how you guys broke it down and you, you know, it's some people do commentary on the films and they're kind of very like, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, snobbish with it, but you guys kind of make it funny. You know, it's like we I can I can enjoy you guys' comedy and your um jokes about the because some stuff you gotta laugh at and just take it as what it is, you know. You can't take it too seriously and you yes. don't try to shit on it, you know, so <laughs> completely. No, so, we save that we save that we save that for these for these kinds of movies. Yeah. <laughs> We saved that for John Borman films. Uh, Thank you, uh, Mark. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about movies and television at thespool.net. By the time this goes up, I will have uh, reviewed the upcoming Malignant. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I am on uh, Twitter under Porcelain72, and I am on Instagram under Gina Does Things. That's G E N A Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. Of course, you can find us on all the socials. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, we've, we've gotten some uh, about once or twice a month. We're getting some new reviews, and that is very helpful. If you want to tell us what your favorite death was in any of the films that we've covered, we'll talk about it here on the air. That is our solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. Go to Tee Public, uh, Kill by Kill. That's where you'll find our T-shirt shop with all our cool designs. Um, and that will do it. We'll be back with another film next week. We have now concluded season two of Hannibal. Uh, season three, we will savor like the beautiful dish that it is, uh, perhaps later down the line. But we've got fun stuff coming to you every single week through Halloween because you know you like it spooky. Uh, and that does it for us. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself. Gina and Mark. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Peace.